0: Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. We're studying together a practical letter to the church by a just man. You know, I, I, I don't know, I may have covered this before, but just bear with me. Um, you know, I made a decision many years ago, <clears throat> about 50 years ago, as a matter of fact, when I started preaching, <clears throat> there are a lot of different directions you can go as a young person, and When I first started off I experimented with several different uh, manners of preaching and things. My pastor that I grew up under was a wild man, I mean he jumped, he ran, he, yeah, physically he was all over the place and he was a biblical preacher um, but quite often you didn't really remember what he said. You just remembered that it was exciting for him to say it. And I tried that for a little bit. It didn't fit with me. You know, you got to be who you are. And very early on in my preaching ministry, I, I made a decision that my objective, every time I stand in the pulpit, is to give the listener something. And the emphasis of my life and ministry has been on that objective. To make certain that there was food. Presentation may not be as slick and shiny as an evangelist or someone else. But I want you, because you're the audience this morning, you're the listeners, I want you to walk out of here with something from the Lord. This practical letter, you know, I I really wrestled in knowing that these were the closing days of ministry to this congregation. I really wrestled. Well, do I go back and get some of the best sermons that I preached over the last 12 years and re-preach them? <laughs> or maybe I need to go back farther than that and find a good one. But the Lord just really moved upon my heart that we needed to study together. Again, that there would be meat to eat <laughs> Now I also am very, very aware that you can set a full meal down in front of somebody, but if they're not ready to eat, then it's not going to happen. I can remember when Sharon and I were dating. I'll, I'll put in a marriage thing in here. I can remember when we were dating, and she was looking forward to our wedding. We we would go out to eat someplace, and I, you know, we would sit down to order, and she'd order a salad. Say, come on, honey, you know, uh, you know, get whatever you want, get whatever you want. No, I'm. that's okay. She had an objective, you know, she was wanting to be as slim and trim as she could be in that wedding dress coming down the aisle. <clears throat> Me, on the other hand. <laughs> if it was good to eat, I was going to go after it. <clears throat> a practical letter to the church by a just man. We move in this section, excuse me, James has been on a theological track. He's been laying the foundation of salvation and an understanding of how it all worked and all of those pieces. And now he moves very strongly toward the end of this book in a number of practical aspects. Remember... Uh, What this book was all about. Let me give you Lang's uh, interpretation of what James is about. He says James puts his epistle into the hands of Jewish Christians that he might influence all the Jews as it was a missionary instruction to the converted for the unconverted and to the truly converted for the (laughs) half-converted. I like that. So in other words, he was equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, which is our calling as pastors and evangelists and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. He was doing that, but he also was ministering to the people that were kind of one leg in this and one leg out. You know, that happens. point at somebody that you know. <laughs> you know, that's probably not a good idea, is it? unless it's like this. I'll tell you what, you know, as I began to study this in chapter four, I, I realized that this had reflection to it. It, 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 it seemed like that it, it fit with something else. And it took me a bit to realize it actually fit with the closing verses of chapter three. So, we're going to use the closing verses of chapter 3 to get a better understanding of chapter 4. So, look, let's go listen to this. In verse 13 of chapter 3, he said, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. What we're going to use is verses 17 and 18 that follow right along with this track. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Hmm. I want to point out to you this morning, James is reflecting on heavenly wisdom. And I know a lot of different people have their own nuance of what wisdom is in Scripture, but let me give you first Charles Spurgeon and then my own. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher and author of old, said wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are the greater fools for it. There is not so great a, there is no so great as a knowing fool. Talked a little different back then. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. That's his definition. Let me give you mine, it's a little simpler. I've always understood wisdom to be the applied combination of knowledge and understanding. Or you may use the term discernment. So putting knowledge into practice with discernment. That is to know the difference between good and evil. Between beneficial and not beneficial. That discernment. As it comes into play, knowledge by itself builds up. You can see this, you can hear it all the time as scientists and others will talk about all that they know. And they act like everybody else is totally stupid. But as I've said to you before, just keep listening to them over a period of time and they'll change what they're saying. And they'll do it without apology. They'll say, well, we've got more information, so this is the way it is now. (laughs) One of the things about heavenly wisdom is it never changes. It's always the same, and it's always powerful in our lives. And if we will connect the wisdom of God to the everyday practice of our lives, we can live powerfully in the Lord. I think some may think, you know, okay, he put the Holy Spirit inside of us. Why? Oh, it was to empower us to witness. You're right. But that's not the only reason. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. In other words, he would show us the right way to go. How many realize that's important? Listening, folks, to the Lord is incredibly important. We are praying over things that if we would stop and listen to the Lord, he would change our prayer. You'll hear that come out here in this passage. We're missing, in other words, we're exerting tremendous amounts of energy and even calling it at least faith in other words we're we're standing in promise that something is going to happen but if we would take a few moments to listen to the Lord he would direct us in a different path how many know that that the things that we're praying outside the will of God will not come to pass are we are we spiritually aware enough to realize that If if you are praying, and it doesn't matter how good you are in your prayers, if you are praying outside the will of God, it will not come to pass. So it's wisdom for us to stop, listen, and then go pray. Come on. Don't be afraid to say amen if you believe it. Let's see here. You already did those. Those were nice slides, weren't they? (laughs) Real fall looking and everything. James is calling on believers to apply the wisdom of God to their everyday lives. I think that's good advice. I want us to look at five areas. You, you could probably see that there were about eight different things that he s- suggests there. But I think they come together in our passage. And so we're going to kind of unpackage it in that way. And don't get scared. I remember as a kid when a pastor would say, I got five points. I thought, oh no. It meant he was going to keep us all day. I promise you're not going to stay here all day. The first thing is this. Wisdom calls for the believer to be peace-loving and considerate. Is that okay with all of you? Come on. Is that okay? I mean that people would be peace-loving around you? Some of you won't wake up. (laughs) Listen, he recognizes that Christians are living in a time of great conflict. Now understand this. Most scholars believe that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this book. Possibly as early as 10 years after the ascension of Jesus. Others believe it was within the first 30 years. If it was 30 years, then they were edging up to the great and powerful revolt that took place in Jerusalem. But leading up to that, you had these people called zealots. And the zealots... Would fight over anything. And so they chose to fight over the law. And the adherence to the law. And that whole conflict was in there. Titus chapter 3 verse 9 refers to this conflict that existed among the Jewish people. It wasn't just Jew, Gentile or law, grace, Jesus. It wasn't just that. There was all kinds of fighting going on among believers and unbelievers and Jewish and all of this. Tremendous amount of fighting during that time. That may be a different picture than than what some of you have of the first century church, but they were dealing with incredible conflict. As a matter of fact, I mean, if you actually read the book of, of Acts, you can see that they had to call the leaders of the church together and have a council to kind of straighten out some of the things. And they boiled everything down to just a, a couple of things that they re- recommended to the Jewish church. That grew out of conflict. The appointment of, of uh, deacons grew out of conflict within the church. Because the widows didn't feel like that they were being sufficiently ministered to by the church. Some were, some weren't. There was a lot of inequity going on. And so they, in order to answer that conflict, they... Elected deacons or appointed deacons out of the midst of the church. James identifies here in in verses 1 to 3. Listen to this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? (laughs) How many of you know somebody that just loves to argue and fight? I was like this. Is a guilt involved here. <laughs> Let me ask again, how many of you know somebody that just loves to fight and carry on and argue? Huh? Yeah. James is addressing that. He's saying as believers, this is not our life. We need to understand that all of that conflict, all of that struggle, all of that difficulty comes from the in, from within. And you do realize that God is looking at our hearts, correct? (laughs) Yes. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. Now we've taken some of these verses way out of context... But keeping him in context, you realize exactly what he is saying here. You quarrel, you fight to get your, get your way. It's easy to do in our own home. You know, we stake out our territory. Nobody's going nobody's to touch it. Nobody's going to, my way or the highway. Wisdom calls for the the believer to be peacemakers, to be considerate. He asked this question there in the first three verses, he says, what are you lacking? Or what is lacking? You do not have because you do not ask God. You are afraid to ask God because he might say no. Come on. Because see, many times... ...if we're believers... ...and this is talking to believers, okay... ...but many times as believers... ...the spirit of the Lord... ...around all the other garbage... ...that we've got going on in our lives... ...and in our minds... ...he tells us... ...huh? And because he does not say... ...what we want to hear... ...we ignore him. And then... ...because we're spiritual... We pray over the thing that we want. Now come on church. You'd have to agree with James. We're a mess. When we already know in our hearts. It's not what God wants. Now, you may not admit it. You won't want to admit it. Because again. You're afraid he'll say no. And then you work through this process. To where you kind of bury the words of the Holy Spirit and then you you start going after what it is you want. There's another part that James doesn't deal with right here but it's, it's in there and that is that when you don't get what you want then you're mad at God and you're questioning whether God even exists. Well, I prayed and I believed. Well, good for you. But maybe the Holy Spirit already told you that That wasn't something that you needed in your life. Hello? Do you know there's Christians that are actually, if you're here, please forgive me. I don't mean to nail you to the wall, but do you know that there's Christians actually praying over Publishers Clearinghouse? (laughs) Hey, come on. Because, what is it? I don't know what it is. It's been a while. Like I finally got rid of them out of my email and stuff. So <clears throat> it's like five or six thousand dollars a week or something like that. Does anybody know? You're afraid to admit it now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Or so many millions of dollars or whatever it is. You know? Well, I just know that God wants me to have that, so I'm going to really pray over it. And you know, it comes and it goes. Hmm. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Hmm. He encourages us. He says, wisdom would have you to step out of the conflict. There's conflicts with other people. But there's also a conflict that you and I as believers have with God. A conflict that says, I want what I want. And if you love me, you're going to give it to me. But I can tell you, he loves you so much that in many cases, he will not give it to you. He says, considerate, that word there means fitting, appropriate, yielding, unassertive, yielding. You know, we're we're such a contrast, we're, here's a good one, oxymorons. (laughs) Because we ask God for things and we get in conflict for things. Because they're what we want and then we will pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we never connect the two things together. His will or our will. His way, our way. His pleasures, our pleasures. But I can tell you this morning, he is always the same. He never goes against his will. So wisdom calls for the believer to be peace-loving and considerate. Here's the second piece in verses 4 to 6. Wisdom calls for the believer to be pure. That word pure there, hagnos, in the Greek it means free from defilements or impurities or wholly separate. I'm horrified today with some of the rhetoric that's coming through and flowing through the church it's a doctrines of convenience that says grace says that we can live however we want to live. We can do whatever we want to do, that there's really no difference between us and anybody out in the world. The way we dress, the way we act, the way we talk, the things that we consume, the places that we go, all all of the above. We we are totally compromised and enamored by the world. But listen to what he says. You adulterous people. Now, he's not talking about... Sexual adultery or adultery within marriage. He's talking about believers being adulterous. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Now, if I said that, you could throw it out. But the word of God is saying that to us. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. Now most scholars believe that James is thinking back because he was a student of the law. More than likely had the whole first five books of the Bible memorized. And so he was thinking back to scriptures like Exodus 20, verse 5. I, Jehovah, your God, am a jealous God. Or Deuteronomy 6, verses 14 and 15. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. Take your oath in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the earth. So James had those passages ringing out in his mind when he makes that statement. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God and calls the believers who are one foot in the world and one foot in, in the church, depending on who they're around and where they're at. Huh? I'm going to get messy here for a moment. But some of you have never told a single person that you are a believer. You go, you work your job, and they think that you are just as they are. You enter into all of the things that they enter into. And then come Sunday, you come and sit in this house and sing the hymns of praise unto the Lord. Can I tell you, James is speaking to you. And he's being very, very clear to have your friendship with the world. And that is to embrace the culture, to embrace the, the reality and the pleasures and the things of this world. Is to be an enemy of God. That's a very tough place to be. Wisdom calls for the believer to be pure. free from defilements, free from impurities, holy, separated unto God. But I love the phrase that he puts in here. He puts this in for the believer, but he gives us more grace. See, again, I believe he was thinking of the Old Testament. He was thinking about this separation from God, especially that, and he will destroy you from the face of the earth. And James is saying, but he gives us more grace. You see, God is not waiting in heaven, ready to lower the boom on you and your friendship with the world, but rather He is calling you to a higher plane, to a higher life in Him. For some reason, church, we 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 get we we get messed up with this. It's like, okay, God, just tell me no here and yes here, and what He is saying to us: I want you to choose. I want you to choose that walking in me, that's wisdom. That you gain an understanding, you look out at the world and you see the hopelessness and helplessness of the world and and all the garbage that they're walking in and the results of all that garbage. And you say to yourself, no, a higher plane that I have found. I plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up. And let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. See, trying to live according to the world and please the world and still please God will tear you apart. Something's going to give. wisdom calls for the believer to be submissive oh aren't these wonderful everybody stand up and dance (laughs) hear me please in the obedience of following the wisdom of heaven rather than the wisdom of this earth you will find completeness in your life As I said to the folks on Wednesday night, the life of a believer is not an easy life. Sometimes we will paint that picture that it is all rosy and all, all beautiful, but that's not true. It's a difficult life, but it is the best life. But we are fighting against principalities and powers. And we are fighting against the most willful person on the face of the earth. You know who that is? ourselves. And that puts us in a very difficult place when he says wisdom calls for the believer to be submissive. Listen to this. Submit yourselves to God. <laughs> that word submit is, is the word it is a It is actually a military term means bring yourself under a higher authority. Come on, church, it's time. It's time to tasso the Lord. Bring yourself under higher authority. Come to the realization that God knows best for your life. In verses 317, James uses the term submissive or easily persuaded but here he in chapter 4 he moves to come under authority. Come under authority. As believers wisdom says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wow! That word resist, to stand against in word and deed. So see, we cannot practice, we cannot speak like the world speaks and have the devil flee from us. To resist the devil, you have to turn away in word and deed from the things that he's promoting. How can I know? Listen to the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He wants to guide you into all truth. But I can tell you, and I've told you this many times and will continue until my last breath, and that is he speaks softly and he speaks early. He'll say, you don't need to go there. Or, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yes, but... (laughs) And all the yelling and all the carrying on both from inside of you and from outside everything will tell you to just ignore that little small voice that is speaking to you that power voice the one that knows what is right but listening to him that is the wisdom from heaven church and come under his authority I'll tell you what sometimes it hurts come on you think, but, 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 I just need to say this. Hello. And the spirit says, say nothing. Let me handle it. But, 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 but I, I, I won't say a lot. Just let me say a little. Huh? I'm not wanting to go overboard. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I hate to start y- using illustrations because then, you know, you're, you're standing on ground. Difficult to stand on. I'm just going to try drugs. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm just going to try the drug. I just, I just, yeah, I'm just curious. You know, they say that it can be really helpful for the conditions that I have. I have pain a lot, I think maybe just smoking a joint here or there, just go ahead and try it. <laughs> Oops, sorry if I stepped on your toes. But this is the kind of compromising, see, that we do along the way. And he says just be submissive, just, just be submissive, be, be pure, so aim for the purity, aim, aim to be holy, separate unto God and then listen as the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and when he speaks to you do what he says you think about how much of the Word of God could be fulfilled if just this one thing this one act of wisdom was active in our lives to be submissive to what the Lord says to us I, I, I think in many ways you could actually do away with this you, If you made that choice, that you were willing to be completely, 100% submissive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you could close the book. How do I know that? Because I know so many people that read the book constantly, but never listen to the Holy Spirit. And they not only grieve the Spirit, but they walk in such unhealthy, unhappy lives. Wow. Let me get to number four here. I want to get them all in here. Wisdom calls for the believer to be full of mercy, good fruit, and impartial. Wisdom says, Brothers, do not slander one another. Come on, church. We'd like to be all pious and say that this never exists in the body of Christ, but then we would be lying. The word that is used there is to speak against, to rebuke, to speak evil of, or to accuse. Well, you know, they always do that. It's just their nature. Oh, I can't believe them. Can you believe she wore that outfit today? Huh? Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. We fulfill the law of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and obedience to the Holy Spirit. But when we speak against or accuse someone else, we point the finger back at ourselves and we are judged by the very law of God. There's only one lawgiver and one judge, he says the one who is able to save and to destroy and that's the Lord but you who are you to judge your neighbor (laughs) I said these are practical I mean it's right down right where we live But if we're going to have the wisdom of heaven in our lives, then we need to realize this thing is more. This life is more than just being saved and getting to heaven. It is about my life today. It's about my journey of life. It is about my hope for eternity. But my hope for eternity is based on my life today. moment over the stuff that I'm leaving out, but that's fine. It's... Wisdom calls for the believer to be sincere. How many believe that? That is opposed to being insincere, right? That is opposed to being hypocritical. That is opposed to play acting or putting on a show. He starts this off with something that he and he alone... ...uses in his letter in all the New Testament. Two words. In the NIV it says, now listen. Those words are actually translated... ...to bring, to lead away, to go now. So in other words, he's saying, go now. Go now. He's finishing up this statement... ...of walking in the wisdom of the Lord... ...where he says, go now and be sincere. See, in his church in Jerusalem, he dealt with the same thing that we deal with in the church in Bedford, Indiana. And that is where people are playing church. and playing just enough church that everybody around them thinks that they're well into this thing. When in reality, their pursuit is in the world. Hmm. He gives a warning here with this. Wisdom says, do not presume on tomorrow You who say today or tomorrow we will go and do this or that and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you brag, you boast and you brag, and all such boasting is evil. Now, again, realize he's saying that in the context of sincerity. Basically, he's saying, come on, folks. You've got to realize today is the day to be sincere. Today is the day to move in the wisdom of heaven. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. This past week, it just came to me as I was driving here this morning. I read a 32-year-old athlete dropped over dead. Huh? Huh? A 20-something dropped over dead. We, we walk around sometimes like we're going to live forever in this life. When in reality, we, know, we have no assurance, as James says, of tomorrow. Because our life is just a mist that is here today and gone tomorrow. we have a little bit of time on this earth to get this right, an opportunity that God gives us today, today, would you just say that, today, that's why Paul said today is the day of salvation, you put it off till tomorrow, you, you don't have any assurance of tomorrow, Some of you may even be, you know, as we've talked about these various things, you think, oh, you know what, I I probably need to move my life toward that. (laughs) There's no assurance that you're going to live past getting out of this room. Right now, right here, today is the time to make the decision, I will live according to the wisdom of the Lord. I'll do it his way because that's the right way. And I'm not going to blow smoke at you and and say that it's easy. It's not easy. Because you're going to be in conflict with the world. You're going to be in conflict with your own pursuits. And that's hard. Wisdom calls for the believer to be peace-loving and considerate. Quarrels begin in the heart. Take this home with you. Huh? This afternoon, this evening, when you're starting to stake off the territory and you're not going to give an inch to your family member, your wife, your husband, whatever. Remember this. The quarrels begin in the heart. Check your heart. Why do I feel the need to fight so much? We're called by wisdom to be not a friend of the world, but a friend of God. How much of the world am I absorbed in? How much... Do I love of this world? I can say I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you. Are those just words when really in fact you love the world more than him? Submissive, submit to God, resist the devil. It's amazing, isn't it? The power that we have as believers to be able to send the devil away by resisting him. Which is virtually saying, No, I'm not going to do that. You tempt me? No, I'm not going to do it. And he leaves us. Isn't that amazing? You're so quiet this morning, you scare me. Wisdom calls for the believers to be full of mercy, good fruit, and impartial. Brothers, do not slander one another. And wisdom says, be sincere. Do not presume upon tomorrow. Do not put on an act. That's what hypocrite means, you know, is play actor. <laughs> Would you stand with me, please? You know, something that concerns me as we move closer to the coming of the Lord are the words of the Apostle Paul when he says to Timothy, he said, preach the word because he said, a time will come when men will not tolerate the truth, but they will heap unto themselves having itching ears gathering around them, teachers and preachers who will say what they want to hear. Look out, folks. If it's not already upon us, it's coming. The temptation to just gather people around you and listen to people and read their books and all that stuff that are saying what you want to hear. Let the word of God challenge you. That's my prayer. Every morning as I rise and spend time with the Lord I pray for the church I pastored in Madison, in West Lafayette, Lakeview in Indianapolis, the district office, Dayspring that I planted on the north side of Indy, the church in Michigan that I went went to for eight years and then I pray over this church. And that will be my practice till my last breath. And my prayer is God, keep us true to your word. May your wisdom, God, be the wisdom that I walk in and that this church walks in. This morning, I wanna just open up these altars to you. It's good to be back here in the sanctuary Thank you for being with us this morning. But see, this is so personal, so very personal, that I'm not sure just an isolated altar call here uh, would bring forth the level of honesty that we need to have. So I invite everyone who will to just come and spend some time with the Lord, but I especially invite those of you who maybe have been playing with your own wisdom and you realize the wisdom of God is much better than the wisdom of man. You say, my goodness, so many of my prayers have not been answered. Is it because that you're asking amiss? Asking after your own desire? So, but I want them to be healed. I want this, you know, that's great. But what does God want? It's so easy to fall into this trap that we become the one who is to be pleased and we are commissioning God to act on our behalf to please us. When in reality, wisdom would say to us, please God, submit to God. He's here. What a man. (laughs) Shannon, if you would play some music for us. I want to give these folks an opportunity to spend some time with the Lord. If you would like to spend some time, come. Today is the day. Praise you, Master. Father in heaven, I pray your blessings over this church family as we leave this house. May you go with us. May you be honored through our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you that are leaving, please be reverent for these who are seeking the Lord at the altar today. God bless you.